Morning, morning. If you have your Bibles, please open them to Acts chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a little black Bible in the front of the chair in front of you. And if you do not have a Bible, I'm pretty sure that's Friendship Bibles Church gift to you. So take it if you don't have one. And uh, if we're not supposed to do that, I'm sorry, Sue or Pastor Bill, but take it anyways. Okay, so today we're going to be in Acts chapter 3 and 4, and the main topic is there is power in the name of Jesus. That is the one line thing that I want to be stuck in your guys' brain. But before we do that, I just want to say that uh, I'm blessed and honored to be able to speak in front of you. And uh, the Bible says not to boast in anything but the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we have an awesome pastor, don't we? And, uh, um, you know, I do this once every four months, and he does it every week, and it's humbling. And uh, you, you know what they call pastors in Germany? German shepherds. <laughs> okay. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the honor to be able to do this. Thank you for your word and for the power that that, uh, that is in your Holy Spirit that dwells inside of me and every believer in here. Thank you for answered prayers. Thank you for the power that we have in your name. Lord, I pray um, in the name of Jesus that, that uh, you would rebuke the devil, that he would have no part in this church. This is your church. He has his churches, but he has no part here. And that today uh, people would be saved, that if there is anyone in here that is not a child of God, that they would not leave here um, not believing in the saving power of your name, Jesus Christ. Guide the words that I'm about to say. Let nothing be said that is not truly inspirational, um, inspired by your Holy Spirit. And uh, just help me to say the things that need to be said, that are biblical, that are true, and that you would want me to say. I praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. There is power in the name of Jesus. In fact, the name of Jesus is the most powerful force in the universe. And I'm going to try to convince you of that. And then I'm going to try to convince you to use that power in your walk with God. So you guys ready? All right, let's begin. A little bit of background to Acts chapter 3. In Acts chapter 2, the Apostle Peter preached the very first gospel sermon after Christ's crucifixion. About 3,000 people, the Bible says, repented and gave their lives to Christ. Acts 2.46 says, continuing daily, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Which brings us to Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, about three, three in the afternoon. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, we learn later in chapter 4 that the man has been lame for 40 years, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Now let's stop right there and answer a couple questions. What does it mean to ask for alms? 
Alms is an old English word meaning charitable giving. Therefore, this lame man was there to beg money from those who entered the temple. Secondly, where did this event take place? The beautiful gate, the Bible says. The most common entry, the main entry to the temple. You say, what's the point? The point is that he was at the most populous entrance to the temple, where he could see the most people. And how does this play into our chapter? It plays in because when God healed, when God healed this man, and, and he went up into the temple leaping and praising God, everyone knew who he was because they passed him every single day. He wasn't at some remote entrance. Um, he was right there where everyone went. Verse 3, Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him, when John Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Get this, this is awesome. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately, immediately his feet, say it with me, immediately his feet, his ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. So you get the picture here. There's no atrophy, no unsteadiness, no weakness. Anyone in here who's ever had a cast on for any period of time, broken bones, torn ligaments, surgery? I've had two. Um, and let me tell you, after six weeks or however long it is that you, that you have your cast on, you can hardly use that body part. Um, my pinky, it's still not the same after I broke it. This guy had not walked in 40 years from his mother wombs. He's he never walked. And when he stood up, he was leaping and praising God and jumping in the air. Hey, friends, when God heals you, he heals you right. Praise the Lord. Verse 9, And the people saw him walking and leaping and praising God, and they knew that it was he who had sat begging alms at the beautiful gate. Of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. But the story doesn't end there. Look at verse 11. Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, and the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us? As though by our own power or our own godliness, we had made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, who you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the Just One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith, in his name, has made this man strong. 
whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness and the presence of you all. And then 2,000 more Jews repented and God saved. But it's still not over because the rabbis arrested the apostles and brought them to trial and asked them, Acts 4-7, by what power or by what name have you done this? And Peter responds, verse 10, let it be known to you, to you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of, say it with me, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you healed. Praise the Lord. Jesus just healed a man who hadn't walked in 40 years. This is an amazing thing. Can I get a witness? <laughs> this, we can't just brush, brush past all this stuff. This, I mean, this is amazing. 40 years this guy hasn't walked. He just jumps up, praising the Lord, jumping around, leaping. That brings us to our most important question of the day. That is, so what? Everyone say it with me on three. One, two, three. So what? <laughs> you say, all right, Josh. What's the point here for me? Well, friends, what the Bible is trying to teach us here in this passage, it's trying to teach us that there is power in the name of Jesus. And there are three ways in which there is power in the name of Jesus. I'm going to tell you about them, them and then I'm done. Number one, there is power in the name of Jesus. Number one, to produce answered prayer. In whose name did Peter appeal to God to heal this man? In whose name? Jesus. Right. Jesus' name. Folks, approaching God by our own merits, approaching God by our own name means nothing. But approaching God in Jesus' name means everything. Jesus said in John 16, John 16, 23, whatever you ask in the, the, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. You say, all right, Lamborghini, here I come. But, but just wait a minute. There's one more verse I need to put in there. It's John 14:13. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Every prayer that you pray in Jesus' name will be answered. Every need that you take to God in Jesus' name will be fulfilled. But the Bible says that God will answer those prayers and meet those needs in the way that most glorifies God, not in the way that most gratifies you and me. When I think of this, I think of the Apostle Paul and his thorn in the flesh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We are not sure what this thorn in the flesh is. We think it's bad eyesight because of what he said in the book of Galatians. But whatever it is, Paul didn't like it. And whatever it was, Paul didn't want it. Whatever it was, Paul said he prayed three times in the name of Jesus for it to be taken away. And God said, I'm going to answer your prayer, Paul, but I'm not going to answer it in the way that you want. I'm not taking the thorn away, because when you are weak, then you are strong. When you are weak, you are dependent on me. When you are weak, you've got this thorn in the flesh and it's driving you crazy. It drives you to your knees. And it drives you to depend on the power of the Spirit. 
instead of the power of yourself. And Paul, that's what you need. That's what you need, because that will be the only way that you can do what I have called you to do around the Roman Empire. No, Paul, I'm not taking it away, but I will answer your prayer. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. I'll get you through. I'll answer your prayer, but I won't take it away. Because to take it away would, would take away from the glorification of God. And I'm not going to do that, Paul. And the same thing is true for you and me. When we pray, he's going to answer every one of those prayers. But usually, because we're sinful and because we're human, we don't ask them in the way that will most glorify God. I can attest to that. Some, sometimes we do, and sometimes we get it right, but not often. And so God answers our prayers, but he answers them in the way that is going to most glorify God. So that's point one. There's power in the name of Jesus, one, to produce answered prayer. Second of all, there's power in the name of Jesus, number two, to get us into heaven. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name, no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I hope you believe this. There is no other way to get into heaven other than Christ. Not being a good Muslim, not being a good Catholic, there is no other way. And Lord help you if you leave here today believe, believing anything different. God help you if you tell someone anything different. You go out there and you teach the real gospel. There is no shame in being hated if you're hated for the true and only gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no other name. When it comes to getting into heaven, the name of Jesus is the one and only name that the gatekeepers of heaven will recognize and will answer to. You you show up and you say, I belong to Buddha. The angel there is going to say, I'm sorry, we don't recognize that name. You show up and you say, well, I belong to Confucius. The angel will say, sorry, that name don't work here. You show up and say, well, I belong to Muhammad. They will say, no, sorry, that name don't work here either. You show up and, and, and say, well, I belong to Dalai Lama or I belong to Mother Mary. I belong to Rabbi so-and-so. And the angel will say, that name doesn't work here. But you show up and you say, I belong to Jesus Christ. Then that angel will say, well, brother, why didn't you say so? Sister, why didn't you say so? Come on in here. Brother and sister, welcome to heaven. Praise the Lord. Number three, there is power in the name of Jesus, number three, for us to battle the devil and to put him on the run. The Bible says, Ephesians six twelve, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We are in a titanic battle every single day against the enemy. So if Peter says, be sober and be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, whom he may swallow up or gulp up. The devil is a being without a speck of mercy, without a speck of compassion or pity. 
His goal is to swallow you up. His goal is to gulp down your children, to gulp down your grandchildren, to gulp down your loved ones, to gulp down your friends and grind you and them into a fine powder. And the Bible says, resist the devil. Now you say, well, how in the world do I do that? How do I resist the devil? The devil's a heavenly being. I'm just this human here on earth. He's been at this for like 6,000 years. And how, how am I going to resist, resist the devil? The Bible says, you resist the devil in the name and with the name of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 says, because Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, verse 9, God has highly exalted him and given his, and given his name, the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth. And we know that every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth. We know that because, because the name of Jesus gives us power to answer prayer. And it gives us power. What was the other one that I said? <laughs> to, to reduce answered prayer and to get us into heaven. So we got heaven and, and answered prayer. So... Get this, it says that the, that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. Who lives under the earth? Who lives under the earth? Yeah, the demons, the enemy, Satan, that's his territory. And in Luke ten seventeen. It says, then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to, to us in your name. So when James says, resist the devil, we do it by invoking the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus has power over Satan. And that's why when God gave us the promise that when we invoke the name of Jesus against the enemy, he will flee from you. This is a promise from God. It's, it's as good as any other promise. And to summarize, I will say that the name of Jesus produces answered prayer, prayer on earth. It produces entry into heaven, and it gives us the power to fight the enemy. Listen, you say, I don't know, Josh, all this sounds either charismatic or crazy. This is not charismatic, and this is not crazy. This is biblical. And what's so sad is that as followers of Christ, we don't use the most powerful spiritual weapon we've got. At least I don't. Not as much as I should. We don't use the name of Jesus. It's a unique privilege as a follower of Christ to use the name of Jesus. He doesn't allow the devil's children to use the name of Jesus. You guys know the story of the seven sons of Sceva in Acts chapter 19? So the, these sons of Sceva, they went and cast out this demon. They said, we command you by Jesus whom Paul preaches, come out. And the demon says, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And the demon jumped on him. He beat him up. And the Bible says they fled from the house naked and wounded. If you're an unbeliever, you're not allowed to use the name of Jesus. That's a unique privilege reserved only for children of God through Christ. Friends, that's your privilege. 
And that's your birthright to use the name of Jesus. So use it. And if you're not a child of God, I, I plead with you when we sing in, in about a minute, come forward and let me share with you how you can be a child of God. It's not embarrassing. I won't embarrass you. Just come forward and I'll explain to you how you can use the name of Jesus with authority and with power and how you can get into heaven. And when you go to heaven, you can use the name of Jesus to get into heaven.